Yo, welcome back to another podcast of Before, During, After. This podcast is brought to you by Goosey Sports. Goosey Sports is a team wear brand providing playing kit and leisure wear for sport. Today, I'm joined by Isaac John, ex-NRL player, now owner of YKTR and YKTR Sports. Yo, guys, welcome back. Yeah, special guest today, Isaac John. Firstly, thanks for your time, brother. Um, this one's been going back and forth a little while trying to tee it up. So, yeah, grateful we can uh, sit down and, and share your journey. How are you, firstly? Good, brother, and thanks for having me on, bro. Pumped to be here. Yeah, good, good. How's it being back in the office? Yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, went through lockdown. I got, I ended up getting COVID, so yeah. um, was, was in a two-week lockdown. My, my personal experience for it wasn't too bad, but I love being here, bro. I just want to um, – sometimes when you can walk into a place that you've built and, and like, I don't know, I get excited to be here every single day, so I love being here. Yeah. Um, how did it, how did your day change working from home? Obviously, uh, you said you didn't have it too bad. Did much change? Were you working on the business structures? What, what do you get up to? Yeah. Yeah. I was still, um, I was locked in my room. So I had a flatmate who was living with me at the time and he, he was testing negative. So we had to be in separate rooms so he wouldn't catch it. So, um, I've worked from home before, like when I first started YKTR, I was very much from home. And what I sort of figured out pretty early on is you got to have separate areas for separate things. And even if you're in your room, so obviously like you sleep in your bed and I had this bit of floor space. So I'd like work out there. Um, I had a chair with a tiny little desk. Where I'd, where I'd do my like business stuff from. And then obviously yeah. you've got an ensuite as well where I'll shower. So um, that was just kind of my routine. Wake up, go work out, go work, have a sh- oh, work out, shower, work, get some lunch delivered. And then sort of just in that little rotation. I didn't mind it, bro, to be honest. I got some yeah, work done. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say sometimes, well, I, I didn't have COVID, but I got tested. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I found, fuck, just put myself back. And I was getting what I was doing, eight hours in the office and three hours at home, you know, kind of. Less distractions, less chat. So yeah, yeah, it was good. We actually knocked out so much work, so it was it was a good time to sort of catch up on a few things. So, mate, your journey has been very well documented, obviously since you've left football um, and your journey in YKTR. But something that people may not know, obviously, is is how you got into football. How does a young person in New Zealand end up playing league? Firstly. Yeah, weird one. So my dad was just a diehard league fan. So uh, my two best friends growing up actually went on to be professional rugby players. So one was Quade Cooper and the other one was um, Sean Maitland, who's gone on to play for Scotland and, and British Lions. And current, I think he's just left Saracens as well. So that were my two first friends I ever made. And it's kind of weird that I transitioned into league. Uh, but our hometown was, was more a league town. So we had two league sides there and yeah. one union side. So um, it was just sort of my natural progression through my parenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just went through the junior system, stayed with the Warriors to, to start with. Is that right? Um, and then... I was actually, no, no, I was actually signed to Parramatta when I was a kid. Oh, um, okay. So from like 14 to 17, I had a development contract with them and I would come over here on school holidays and, and train and sort of stuff like that. And guys like Jared Hayne and, and um, Tim Manor, Tony Williams, they're all sort of my age as well. So I got to meet those guys pretty early. Um, Scope, who actually works for me, I used to stay at his house when I used to come over. Yeah. Like I, was, oh. I wasn't staying with them, but um, because they were sort of Kiwi, I sort of gravitated towards those boys a little bit more and then sort of moved into the Warriors Um that path or at Parramatta was really blocked because they had the best junior system at the time. Very much how Penrith are back in the day used to be yeah. Parramatta. They used to have that system. And um, there was a couple of guys ahead of me that were probably better than me. So uh, Tony Iroh, who was a Cook Island guy, um, knew who I was and just signed me to the Warriors for like a three-year contract straight out of high school and uh, rolled up there, got to train first grade 
um, straight out of high school and, and then rolled into the 20 system. So it was mad. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Um, and then obviously ended up going on and playing first grade in the NRL. Um, how was that, that experience obviously growing up um, as a young fellow, always wanting to play in the NRL, finally getting to, to live it? Yeah, it was mad. Like, like very much how I'm right into business now. Like back then I used to be right into football. Like that was my thing. Used to study it, used to watch it. Um, love, obviously love playing it as well. So sort of to grow up in New Zealand and, and being able to put on like the Warriors jersey was crazy. And obviously like a proud um, moment for my parents and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was cool. Like when I look back on it now, it was cool. But then I also can't remember like big parts of it as well. It's just kind of, it was just kind of a blur. Yeah. Um, like sometimes I see highlights of myself playing football and it's just like, fuck, is that really me? Like, it just feels like such a lifetime ago and uh, obviously transition into business and stuff like now. And um, to be honest, prefer my life now. So um, I've been lucky. I've lived a pretty cool twenties and currently in, in early thirties now, but still having fun. Yeah, mate. And um, like I said, obviously I wanted to talk with you football, but um, there's the things you're doing off the field and uh, away from footy now, since you transitioned that uh, are pretty impressive, mate. Um, obviously, firstly, leaving the game, um, I'd say a lot of players are leaving NRL. They're kind of looking for that safe job, you know, through a sponsor or something. How, how come you decided let's 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 go on your own? I probably wouldn't have been good enough to get a job through a sponsor or, or anything like that. I was just, <laughs> I was like a very average player. Those kind of the roles on Channel Nine and go to the really good players. So full full transparency, I probably yeah. got one of those roles. Yeah. Nah, sorry, mate. Uh, I meant just in general, like you know, some some players they, they when they come out to transition and retire, they just look for you know that nine to five job, you know, as a safe place, um, you know, oh, guaranteed bro, income, like. Bro. That scares me, eh? That scares me. Like a nine to five job. Like when I when you when you say that now, it just kind of makes my stomach drop a little bit as well. So I just knew I just didn't want to work for anyone else. And at the time I'd read a bunch of books and I was talking to different friends who had friends that ran businesses and stuff like that. Yeah. And the reason why I started to get over football was because it's so limiting. Like you had to sort of play in a certain way and, and you just constantly being told what to do. And I feel like that's why a lot of players struggle once they leave football because they're so used to being told what to do for such a long time. And especially if you come from school, move straight into first grade, like you don't really have to think. Like it's like, be at the airport this time, wear this. And like when, you, when you're yeah. talking to the media, do say this, don't say that. Like and you just, you're just trained to sort of be in that sort of style. So I always felt it like restricting. And I also felt like the conversations I was having with him football around some of my mates were just very limiting as well. So I was starting to get bored of those types of conversations. I just wanted to gravitate towards something else. So my thing was just kind of reading and business and um, I just wanted to be able to work from anywhere in the world. So that was just kind of like, my main thing yeah. was like, I just want to work from anywhere in the world. That was, that was the one thing I knew I wanted to do. I didn't know it was going to be YKTR and stuff like this, but I knew, I felt like something was pulling me towards that way and I wanted to explore it and obviously tried a few different businesses and YKTR is the one that's, that's going okay. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be doing pretty well, mate. And, and like you said, there with the, with the football structure inside the things, um, obviously being told to do this, do that certain time frames working throughout the day. How, how do you kind of run it in the office? What's, what's you, you work in on you obviously and your team, it, you, you kind of do your own thing in your own time. As long as you get it done, do you put it kind of put it on them or. Yeah, that's, um, I've, talked i've tried a few different ways but i feel that way is sort of the best as well i think you should be measured on value not time so the analogy i give to the boys is like why is james tedesco paid more than isaac john back in the day even though we do the exact same training and an exact same amount of time on the field it's because he can influence results he can put points on the scoreboard so his value is a lot higher than um my value would ever be playing football yeah. 
You know what I mean? So I sort of like, because I've got a lot of football boys in and around me, so I use types of analogies like that. But once you come in and you crank out your work, boom, cruise, see you later. Go go do something else. Yeah. And um, But like, I, but I'll, I'll give you that leverage, but um, if you take advantage of it in the wrong way, like I don't think it'd be too hard to find another person that would love to be in this type of situation. You know what I mean? There's never going to be an early um, ceiling on your earning capacity. Um, getting free business education, obviously you get free clothes, fuck this beer in the fridge and shit all the time. I don't think it's a tough sell. So yeah, yeah. I just don't want, like, if they take advantage of it and, and I feel, feel it, I'll just go, fuck. Yeah. Jump on Instagram. Hey guys, who wants a job? I think we'd have some people lined up. Yeah, 100%. You've got a built a pretty good community there. Like, um, I guess it's changed massively from you. Like as a startup, as people really know, as you, um, that obviously follow you, like it wasn't that always that smooth. I guess it, it's changed from doing, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days to now, you know, obviously running it. Like, um, is it, was that a big change for you? Like, did it put a lot of strain on you doing those days early on or are you happy it's done? I loved it, eh? I loved it. Like, obviously, if, if I had to go back to it, I'd be like, I definitely could do a lot, a lot smarter. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, oh, man. And that was an important time. And I sort of reflect that period so much like a preseason um like it's day in day out you're grinding you're grinding and you put in three months of work and you're ready for the season um it's that was sort of just like my entrepreneurial preseason, where like I, you just have to go through those phases to sort of um get a base level for you to sort of build on top on and like mine was like 16 months where like it was like every day man i was like i look back on photos of myself man i got like these massive bags underneath my eyes i remember i was moody as fuck all the time um like fuck i was, i'd fluctuate like i'd like because I didn't have any money, I wasn't really eating, but then I was stressed. Like there was times I was eating once a day, like, but I was stressed all the time. So I was like putting on weight. And I was like, when I look back and there was times where like I sleep for three, four days in a row because it's just my body catching up and stuff. So it was an important period and I, I really enjoyed going through it. And I think a lot of people should go through that if they want to get to a certain level, but a lot of people will also give up in that little period as well. And um, definitely have those thoughts of giving up. So yeah, so it's just a really important time, man. Um, like I said, like if I had to go back to it, I definitely could, and, and I've got the skill set to do a lot better. Um, but I'm enjoying this little mixed part here where we're trying to scale. Yeah, yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head where you could obviously do things a lot smarter. I think anyone, um, like myself included, going through a startup, a business, you try and put everything on yourself. You know, you don't outsource anything, and you're spending two, three hours time where you could, you know, you could delegate that to somebody else. Have you, mm. within YKTR like is everyone got set roles there now like how's that all looking yeah we're still very startup-y as well so like a lot of people wear multiple hats so Jackson that guy right there um, he does three or four different roles where if a bigger company that would potentially only be one role or, or split across four different people um, but yeah delegation is really important and it's sort of a skill set that I learned um, probably about a year or a year and a half ago I found myself being busy just doing things that weren't really relevant so <laughs> I, I read then like a so I read ten dollars hundred dollars a thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars and then I'd write down all the roles that everyone does within that as well so anything that was sort of a ten dollar and hundred dollar role which potentially could be uh, posting on Instagram or, or replying to comments or something like that I'd delegate and then um, anything that was around the 10,000, which was like for me, putting collections together, signing off on collections, uh, sponsorship deals and stuff like that. I'd spend my time on here because those are the types yeah. of things that yeah, we that's a good way to look at it, So that, that was a important thing that we done. We, we done it at the start of the year for all the boys as well. So I was like, tell me everything that you, that you do within a day. And then I dragged them into all these little $10, $100, $1,000 and $10,000 roles. And then you sort of just delegate them from there as well. So my days now, they're not as busy, 
Yeah, so so like my days right now aren't as busy doing like tasky style, style things. And that's why I was doing 16, 18 hour days because I was like posting packages and, and doing stuff like that where my time and I want a nice clear mind where I'll focus on these big things, bro, the $10,000, $100,000 jobs. But I want to be nice and clear. But these are a lot bigger decisions because if I fuck up two or three in a row, this whole business could be gone as well. So yeah. I, I don't spend yeah. time in those $10, $100 roles right now. I delegate those out so I can spend time on these on the stuff that's really important that's going to move our brand forward. So um, that's been a big change. You don't go working 16-hour days. You might work six to eight-hour days now, um, but your mind's like, you, you feel just as tired because you, you're thinking a lot more about bigger decisions. Yeah, 100%. And obviously delegating jobs, like that. What, what's the sort of planning day look like for you? Like, are you quite time-specific? The only reason uh, I ask, I found like, I was doing big days and getting fuck all done where now I've kind of put them in a priority and I'm giving myself, right, let's try and get this done within 20 minutes. It might take me 25. It might take me 25, but if I gave myself an hour to do it, it was taking me an hour every time. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I was. I'm like that as well. And obviously coming from a sports background, we always measured against the clock. So you got to do 1.2 and, um, five minutes or you, you've got um, 80 minutes to win a game and you've got 24 rounds. So my whole life I've been racing a clock. And when I wasn't structured, I used to just walk up to work and sort of just look around and just, Oh, fuck Let me just do that. I was just nowhere near as efficient. You know what I mean? I'll walk out the door. It was cool to be busy. Back. Like, yeah. Oh, I was just being busy for the sake of being busy. And then yeah. I'll just cr- I'll cross off everything on my to-do list and post it on my Instagram and everyone be like, Oh, look at him. He's working hard. But like, I haven't really done shit. Like I haven't really moved the needle forward. I'm just sort of, a coach of mine said, like, you don't want to be on a rocking horse, like all, all movement, no progress. Yeah. So that's an analogy I always use. But time blocking, really important. Um, and there's so many facets of YKTR where we're, we've got multi-arm. So we've got YKTR, YKTR sports. Like people ex- expect to see content daily from us now. Um, people expect me to do podcasts. So I kind of just time block. So I'll come in. Like I wake up about 3.34, um, hang out for myself. I mean, like working out and having a coffee and brekkie and stuff like that. Do that. Um, have an hour planning, jump on podcasts for the first two, three hours of the day. And then for the next four, I get home about three, um, just working on a bunch of different things. So Monday could be designs. Tuesday could be working with sponsors or um, looking at budgets and numbers. Uh, Wednesday could be managing staff. Who knows? You know what I mean? So um, I, I, I like to do one thing a day, usually focus on one thing a day yeah, yeah. I, I associate it with school man so like you know at school when you do five subjects in a day and you're like all right maths is 45 minutes and then, then you've got to transition into science so, and yeah. you got to, I, I just always thought like imagine if you just had monday as maths and, and tuesday as obviously it should be if you have maths and you don't like maths and you got a whole yeah, day yeah, yeah. um but i just that'd be an interesting like test study if you could do something like that you know what i mean just do a school and like see see how well they develop so a lot of times on Monday, it's mostly based around clothing, whether it's be designs or looking at old numbers. But I find if I just focus on one thing, I can get a lot more done. Yeah, yeah, sweet. And I guess at the start, and, and this is my question here, um, obviously I, we touched on it earlier, you've built such a, a good community at YKTR. When you started it all up, obviously there's a couple of boys in the UK that obviously it's not really a UK brand. Like what was, it, what was the idea behind it? Like was it do NRL content? Uh, uh, target audience as nrl fans or um, and it's grown and it's changed so much from there or yeah uh, initially i thought because um chico and Corey would have had about fifteen thousand and about twenty five thousand followers when we first started and i'll mm. go oh if we just like this is my okay oh if we just post boys and, and stuff it'll just sell 
And that was just my, my first ever thought of like marketing. And then I remember posting the boys and nothing was really even selling. And I had a guy, it's funny you say that. I had a guy the other day, he said, if you, if you had the choice between Facebook ads and NRL players that starting a business, like what would you rather know? And I go, oh, fucking Facebook ads. Like I'd rather know that. And then he called me a fucking liar. He goes, you're a fucking liar. Because yeah. he goes, you're just leveraging off NRL players. And like Chico and Normie were friends for, for just, reasons for being my friends and we had a crack at starting a business, but everyone thinks, and it definitely helped us start a business, but to grow a business, you need a little bit more than just having a couple of friends that started NRL. So, but when we first started, it was just like, Oh, we just, I just wanted to do something else. And the boys were in on it as well. So yeah. it wasn't like, we're going to make league content. I was just kind of into vlogs and, and um, vice TV on, and I just picked up a camera and started filming and started doing stuff like this. So we just, we see we used to live such a fun life of going out and partying and, and traveling and stuff like this. I was like, fuck, imagine if we just started filming it and stuff like that. And obviously we, we wouldn't have been able to film the stuff we were up to back then, but yeah. um, just <laughs> done sort of a PG version of it as well. And and that's our vlogs now. Yeah. And, and you've touched on there, obviously the boys yourself, you had a, a bit of a, an influence being an NRL player, but it's not as simple as chucking it on a tee. Like what's it, this is kind of flipping it a little bit, but it, I've heard you talk about it a fair bit. The difference, um, like players, you notice now they're building a personal brand and leveraging it while they're playing. It's fucking massive and it's changing. Like that's the way it's going to go. Eh? That's the way it's going to go. Um, and I love it. And a lot of those guys that um, I reference, they're, they're through my DMs probably about six months earlier. So it's kind of cool to sort of sit back and just sort of have a chat with those guys and ask them questions. Because if they play football, I'm probably going to reply to those guys as well because I've come from that. that yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a little bit biased towards these boys. Like, I want to help them a bit more. And even though if they're, they might be 10 times more successful than I was as a football player, but just to have like NRL players and a lot of All Blacks guys, like, which is yeah. fucking crazy it, to me. It's crazy to say that. Like, I was listening to podcasts and um, Artie Surveyor, like, was said that he's just come to you. You know, you've hooked him up with a supplier, all that sort of stuff. And you do come up in a lot of conversations. So he must have, you kind of like the, the, the Pied Piper, I guess, leading all the uh, the new boys into, into business. Yeah. And because, like, historically when you see someone within business you just you, you you picture a guy in a suit like you know what i mean and I'm, I'm like i rock up to work like this every single day and i come from like a pretty rough area and i played football and i never went to like university and sometimes teaching or, or education like doesn't always have to be the smartest person but more so the person that you can relate to the most and like a lot of people know my background in history and stuff like that and like oh i can relate to that guy and he's able to do something in, in this space here maybe i can do that as too it makes it seem a lot more obtainable so I think that's why those types of guys really relate. Um, but like a lot, like I'm, I'm close with a couple of those All Blacks boys now, and like they move different to league boys. Like um, I think it's the All Blacks culture where they've got a big thing on like learning, so they get a lot of successful people to come in and have chats with the boys. Bro, there's no egos about those guys, which is which is really weird. Like someone as successful as they are, and like they they'll come up to you and go, hey, how do I do? Like you know, like Aaron Smith's played like a yeah. hundred tests and he, he asked me probably the most questions out of anyone. Like, how can I do this? How can, is this a good idea? Is this a, and it's just like, is this crazy? Like, if, I don't know. That's just, I think that maybe it's a Kiwi mentality roll into a culture like the all blacks where they put a high value on learning and, and learning from anyone and everyone too. So it's pretty crazy. And you can, when you see that sort of stuff, you're like, Oh no, this is why they, they're the best. And I think it allows the change to happen with players at the top, actually doing that. Like I was talking with Billy Mixia uh, the other day when he jumped on you. Like it is becoming a bit more like acceptable as well. Like I said to him, if you looked six to eight years ago and you went into the changing rooms as a youngster, 
eight, like 18, 19 year old and started taking photos of yourself after the game and or posting your vlogs and stuff, people will be like, who the fuck does he think he is? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where players are obviously all kind of going with the trend. So it's slowly transitioning, you know what I mean? Hey, you have to, or you get left out. So like a lot of the older boys before my time, like we weren't even allowed to tweet. Like we like if you had a, if you had a Twitter, you were like, like who the fuck do you think you are? So then then the thing is like, bro, time moves on. Social media, like life moves on. So there's different ways to do things, and social media is a big part of everything we do. And a lot of people are doing it really really well right, right now. So they're setting a precedent for the next guys to come along to be even bigger. So there's a couple guys that are gonna be massive success outside of sports. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys that are massive success out of sports. And like, if you even look at rappers and sports stars and stuff like that, even in America, uh, they'll make their money. But the ones that really, really kill it while they're playing, they're leveraging their, um, they're leveraging whatever leverage they have to get into businesses. Like you look at guys like Jay-Z billionaire, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's because he owns multiple businesses. Michael Jordan, like one of the best players to ever do it. But Nike and Air Jordan does like a lot of his money for him as well. LeBron, he's got like pizza. Like they all move in these different types of things. And obviously we've got access to internet now. So um, the world seems a lot smaller where we can sort of focus on American things. And I think a lot of guys over here are starting to recognize what they're doing over here and trying to implement it here. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of guys leave it too late as well. It might be the last year of their career and they start getting stuff cranking. If you start creating content pretty early on from start to finish, man, I think you're going to set yourself up so for a lot of big business deals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so continue with growing the brand and obviously growing the team. How many boys you got to working at YKTR now? Between six and eight, depending on full time and part time. So roughly about there. Um, probably hire a couple more pretty soon, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's crazy. Like I remember walking through and we had like eight people in here. I was like sitting in my office, bro. I was going, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, <laughs> these guys uh, work here. So it's yeah, weird, bro. It, it's awesome to see. Like, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm only still myself at the moment. And that's why I asked the question, when, when, when did you find was the right time to employ? What were you looking for? Obviously, they've got to add value and kind of things that you can't as well, I guess. Um, so the first person I hired was actually Natasha, who's like my PA um, logistics. So the first person I hired was just to take pressure so I could focus on the things that I needed to do. So if you think about that, that graph, I was telling you that $10, $100, 1000 I didn't really know that at the time, but I just knew I was wasting my time doing this thing over here. So I delegated that out. Second person I hired was Lukey. So um, it's kind of like a jack of all trades type of guy. Like he can do yeah. everything I can do. So if I need to be at this meeting, I know he can cover this spot over here as well. So I kind of just hired like a right-hand man, jack of all trades style guy. And that worked really well out for me. And then, Obviously, as we start to go out, you can be a little bit more specific on, on things and what roles and what people do. So, um, but I think it's really important here that you got to be self-sufficient. Like, I don't want to be like babying people, which is sounds like a little bit harsh, but I, I need people that can learn things on the go. And the way that I've come here is from learning stuff on like YouTube and Google. So like a lot of times people go, oh, I don't know how to make a thumbnail. And they'll sit there for a month or two months, not even trying to figure it out. I was like, bro, jump on Google, jump on YouTube. You can figure this shit out pretty easily. You know what I mean? So I, I like, I like, I prefer to be around self-sufficient people that can learn things on the go. So yeah. um, it's going to be a big requirement of people when I'm hiring people moving forward. Yeah. And, and most of the boys would have come from footy backgrounds and that. Like, do you kind of do business like you do footy with them or you have to t- treat everybody different there like within the office got to, treat everyone, got to treat everyone different so the way i can talk to scope versus the way i can talk to luke is very different and i'm still learning that because in football you kind of get you treat everyone gets treated the same like you know i mean you can kind of spray anyone and yeah. most people get along with it so it's always the um, half that are happy to do it as well yeah i'm still learning that so the way i talk to scope and i've known him for 15 years is like 
Like we can we can go back and forth at each other, and then two minutes later just carry on like nothing's happened because that's what happens in sports. Yeah. Like he might knock the ball on, or I might knock the ball on. He goes, oh, "What the fuck are you doing, you dumb cunt?" But then like. <laughs> It's just straight off the top of the head for us. Where if I said that to probably a couple of the other boys, they probably could tell me shower. Bit, yeah. yeah, and like start getting like scared, not scared, but like like it can fuck up the rest of the day because they haven't been exposed to those types of environments, which I'm still learning. So, um, but most of the time, it's it's, it's pretty chilled around here. I try and over communicate. Um, I don't know, just trying to find a balance of like, oh, this is how you do it, and then let them go figure it out for themselves. Because I, I just don't want to be standing over the top of them going, do this, do that, do that. Be fucking annoying. Yeah, creates good content sometimes. Like uh, I see you and Simi go back and forth a little bit and that uh, seems a bit of an interesting relationship. But he, he seems to be doing good uh, things as well, eh? Oh, uh, yes, content's good. Obviously, like, yeah, me and him really see eye to eye and like, I hide him, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I take full responsibility of everything that sort of happens. And one thing you find about find out about people, they're really consistent, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just sort of the relationship that me and Simi have. And the hard thing about me and Simi is because we've, we've actually been friends before onto the work. So we're trying to figure out what that balance is. Yeah. Um, oh, he's trying to figure out, I know what the balance is, but he can't, he can't distinguish between uh, friendships and working for someone. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Personal, yeah so, personal sometimes. Yeah. So that, that's the, that's the interesting side of Simi. But on the other hand, like his content's really good. So um, but it does remind me of football, you know, that super talented guy that doesn't quite fit in the locker room sometimes. Yeah. yeah that can be times and then other times he's really really great so it's just trying to find that balance with him yeah and uh with, with the brands but what's the what's the plans moving forward like what, what do you want to be the brand to be known as obviously it's, um, it's a clothing line but it, you're kind of lifestyle brand as well really aren't you life, you, you've noted on here lifestyle brand so i just want to be the brand that provides the most value and and like when people get home and they can watch content and get excited or or, or takes them off a bad day or um gives them a journey or potentially they watch me and then that inspires them to start their own thing i just want to be that brand bro and everything else at the bottom of the funnel which they call a marketing like top of the funnel bottom of the funnel yeah. whatever we move into whether it be clothing or anything any other products um, i think that type of stuff sells itself if, if you can do that top part really really well like provide yeah. as much fucking value as possible, try and entertain or educate and, and try and get people along for the journey and, and treat them well. And, and that's kind of the whole business philosophy for us. Yeah, sweet. And uh, and YKTR Sports, just keep pumping out the content there. Is that going to go a few different directions with a few different boys or? Yeah, fucking know. Um, I want to scale that out pretty quickly. Um, it's just money. Like money's the thing that's probably stopping us and probably space. Uh, so this is going to end up being a content studio pretty soon where – um, but eventually, like Barstool Sports is the model that we sort of love. Yeah. Where, um, they've got a b- bunch of content creators underneath them. And we build out the business model on top of that as well and distribute them out through us. So that's sort of the strategy and plan um, for that. And then just try and break down the, like, I'd love to have a crack at tall poppy syndrome here in, in Australia. Like, if, if that was like the ultimate goal where fans hate players and, and then it becomes like negative between the two, I think media really dictate narratives yeah down under and i know that's everywhere as well but i feel like it's pretty bad down here so i'm um, just create cool shows and content around fans and players and i don't know we'll figure it out as we go yeah and there's there's a lot of people obviously in, in that space within the social media like obviously the football's changing but the social media is obviously you guys calling things out which then the fans are backing up and then calling out obviously the staff writers and stuff and and, and it's, it's changing that <laughs> narrative as well eh? Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like a lot of the times with football, like say say I was going to get sacked from Penrith or whatever, like I'd go into the office and they'll say, don't say this to anyone. 
and then by the time you walk out, it's already leaked into the media anyway. So um, there's there's so much little seedy shit that goes on in football that I'd love to expose as well. Um, but there's also like f- random fans telling telling people to go hang themselves in DMs with like grown yeah. men with three with three kids yeah. like on their DMs, and they work for this company as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I think that I think that needs to change, and especially when we've got this like massive mental health. Um, pandemic down here in Australia, eight, nine people die every single day. I think about 170 have a crack at committing suicide. And I know these guys get paid good money, but that does, that's no right. Is that just pay. athletes? No, no, no. It's just like in general. So yeah. like six, six of them are, are men, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. we're if we don't call this shit out now, we're allowing it to continue. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, lastly, mate, just with the business structures, if you've got a bit of time yet, um, Obviously, um, one thing I'm trying to get in with my business subscriptions. Um, yep. You mind chatting about that a bit? Like, obviously, I, I, it's a, a, subscriptions. I seen a, some in the other day. Five thousand members, you need seventeen dollars a month revenue, one point one million. Like, it's it's a bit of a mad business idea, right? And so much growth opportunity in it. Like, mm. you, you you've got so many different revenues of income. You've got the blueprint. Um, the inner circle that they've inner just circle, launched yeah. as well. Like, yeah. is that something that you can put as subscriptions in with lots of different parts of YKTR, YKTR Sports? Or yeah, so we've got Doozy Club at the moment, which gives a sort of an OnlyFans experience for behind the scenes content. Plus, we could do a giveaways probably about twice a month as well through that. We've already done that with YKTR. So, um, the great thing about subscription models. So, if you think of YKTR, where like your your um. Like when, say we launch, your money goes like that and then down, down, down. So what subscription models do and something like Netflix and stuff like that, it really levels out um, your income coming through as well. So it's like, it steadies, it steadies the ship up. So if YKTR would be like that. So launch, launch yeah. over the course of the year, it's hard to sort of calculate for cash flow later on down the thing. So what subscription models actually do is like, you kind of know when your money's going to be coming and therefore you can hire out more staff because you know X amount's going to be coming through. So you're not sales-based um, so yeah. I think subscription models, it's, it's an old, it's an old thing. There's a great book called this is subscription boom. Yeah. I read it probably the start of this year and that changed everything that I done oh, personally. Mate, when I, when read- I, when I seen it now, nah, like when I seen that, it just like clicked and all I've been doing, I've got a book and just every idea, just writing one down. How can I get this into subscription, subscription, subscription? Yeah. Maybe. And like, like there's a book, there's a book with thousand true fans as well. So if, if you have a thousand fans, it's like, and you build up super fans and you get them to spend a hundred dollars with you. That's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like much. And, and like, and when you sell a digital product, so I say, say I say you're a hoodie, like there's a cost of good there. So I have to one front up the cash to buy the hoodie. I therefore have to guess the right numbers and then I have to pay for shipping for it to come in and then tax and it goes to the 3PL. You know what I mean? There's a lot of costs and stuff like that. But if you build a digital product like content or education or stuff like that, it's like you kind of build once and sell, sell multiple times. Yeah. So, it's a really interesting business model. It's not, it's not easy. Like obviously I've given yeah. away four years of free content as well. So, and then, and therefore I feel like I can ask for $60 a month. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, like a lot of people see the numbers and go, fuck, let me get in there. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it takes time to build up. So um, no. great. I'm, I'm glad I've done that four years of free content. Cause if I come out straight away and I'm going $60 a month, like a, it's weird because people will buy a t-shirt for $60 a month and just go, yeah, fuck it. I'm in. And then, but if you go, all right, here's 30 videos that are, that potentially can change your thought patterns in and around life. Yeah. I know what the fuck are you charging 60 bucks for? So, well, it's, it's a weird. different, um, different target hey, audience, I hey, guess. Gosh, sorry, sorry, but I'm just going to jump in boys. We, the boys are going to start drilling. So it's going to get noisy. Okay. Yeah. All right. We, we, we got a couple of minutes. Up there, man. 
We've got a couple of minutes. We've got two minutes. Yeah, two yeah, minutes. Sweet. Cool. Happy days. Um, all good. I'll just fire off with the with the questions at the end, then I think. Um, just a quick QA that's come in. Um oh, we got uh, James Marshall from What a Lad podcast. Oh, he's a lad. Yeah, he is a lad. Um, <laughs> favorite union player right now. Oh, David Harvilli. Um, I, I'm, I'm boys of a few of those boys now, but I just really like him at second five. Big, strong body, can kick a ball as well. So uh, he's my guy right now. I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, sweet. Um, how much does Simi do your head in? Oh, what's it? What's what's the scale out of? Ten? 8.59. 8.5. Um, I, I thought this is quite a good one. Um, obviously, with the union in, in America at the moment, I don't know if you've seen, they've been the first ones to do a draft. Mm. Um, somebody has written in here, I think he plays like New South Wales Cup or something. With the talent of players in the under-21s NRL right now, would you, lo- love, would you guys love to see an NRL draft option? I would, I would. But the hard thing about it is you, then you're going to be taken away from um, development. So like, a, or like say, Penrith, for example, best development in the system. Um, they're reaping awards for, from that for now. If there's a draft system, it doesn't really um, like compensate for them spending that much money on the development as well. Yeah. So, And the, the great thing about America is they got college sports. So they can go to um, an Alabama or, or the U or something like that. And they, they're rocking and play in front of 80,000 people and, and they can generate income through that way as well. And then roll into a draft. So it's a little bit of a different system. If we had, a, um, if we had enough money to fund something like that, I, I think it'd be a great idea. But then I think you're going to be taken away from development as well. So you'd love to see like the best player go down to the Bulldogs. Like I think that'd be sick. Yeah. Uh, the, the core concept of it is really, really cool. But I, I think the execution yeah. of it is very different. I understand. Like, unless they're all coming like from one university example, like then a club hasn't been putting money and time into them. Yeah. It's not really going to work. Yeah. hundred yeah. um, percent. Um, a boy from talk. How does it feel to make rugby, make it in rugby and then become a big name in a big label? You're killing it. <laughs> um, exaggerated comment there, but yeah, it's fun. Like obviously my, my favorite part is I get to wake up and do something I love every single day. And I was doing that through football and kind of got over football. Now I'm doing it again after that so um it's fun bro grateful yeah lastly want to start a business but don't know how to do my numbers where do i start um calculator (laughs) now a great way sort of to do it is sort of reverse engineer so say if you're a clothing company and you go i want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year um work backwards from there you go i want to be dropping four collections a year so therefore i have to make 24 twenty-five thousand dollars that collection and then i go i want to be selling fucking t-shirts and hoodies only and then you sort of break it down and sell them at a hundred bucks you need to divide up by there so um reverse engineering your numbers is really important yeah happy days appreciate that mate like i'll I'll let you go and you got to shoot so Thanks heaps for your time. I've fucking, yeah, been really good to chat and uh, I'll get this out shortly. Yeah, bro. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you.